Hey everybody, this is Anthony Wilson welcoming you to another episode of the Complete Player Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host David Galvez. This week we'll answer some mailbag questions before jumping into my interview with former Long Beach Poly and USC football player Alfred Rowe. Before we dive in, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TCP underscore pod and to like it on Facebook, just search for the Complete Player Podcast. Send feedback and mailback questions to WilsonReportRedux at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. The show is also on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Galvez, how are you? What's going on, Wilson? Nice to have you on. Or, well, nice to be on, sorry. Another <laughs> week. <laughs> I'm already trying to take over the show, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we're going to do the... Uh, so we're going to ask some mailbag questions up first, and then I'm going to uh, cut it to my in- the interview I did with Alfred Rowe, uh, who I went to Transfic with. Like I said, he, he played at Long Beach Poly and uh, USC under uh, Long Beach Poly under Rowe Laura and USC, USC under Pete Carroll. And we're just going to talk about his life and his football career and stuff. Right now, he's a, a he's the uh, defensive backs coach at uh, Whittier College. Uh, Galvez wasn't on for the interview. I um I called him, and you know Galvez was just out like enjoying life. You know, I, 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 um, I like, uh, I just kind of on a whim on Saturday, I already had already asked Alfred if he wanted to come on and he said, yeah. And just on a whim on Saturday, I was like, you know, I'm just going to just do it like today. Like, you know, and I, I called Galvis up, but we weren't, I mean, you know, Galvis, like I said, he was out enjoying his life. So during the quarantine, so, you know, yeah. uh, but you know, uh, next time, hopefully if there's an, an interview, you know, Galvis will be a part of it. But Galvez, um, I don't know if you wanted to, you know, say so anything gonna, else. So we're going to, we're going to, huh? No, no, um, no, man, I, you know, on Saturday I wasn't, I wasn't able to join. I, I mean, I could have, but I just would have been way too distracted. It would have been kind of noisy and, you know, it's kind of disrespectful to the interviewer, I guess. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I'm sure you did a good job and, I guess we're gonna do something different, right? We're gonna do the, the mailbag questions first, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, let's just jump into the mailbag right. questions. So let's just dive right into it. All right. So I got a question here from. Let me pull this up. I'm sorry. I got a question here from Steve on Twitter. If you could choose one NBA player, regardless of age, to start a franchise, who would you pick? One NBA player, regardless of age. One NBA player, regardless of age. Um, yeah. Meaning, not everybody's in their prime, or they're, they're the age they're at now. Man, that's a tough one. My top three would be. I really, really, it's really only like a two-person question for me, probably, because Durant is, you know, he's coming off with the worst injury you can have, and then LeBron is old. And I think Davis can't really carry a team. So for me, it's going to come down to either Giannis or Kawhi. Now, if I were trying to win a championship this year, I would still go with Kawhi. If I were trying to, you know, build a championship team and, you know, because, you know, Giannis is still a few years, you know, he's only a few yeah. years, but he's still a few years younger um, than, uh, yeah. than Kawhi. So, I mean, that's what I would say. If it was this year, I, I would want Kawhi. But if it were, you know, for long term, I would want uh, Giannis. Okay, I I would go Giannis number one only because it's scary to think that 
he can only get better because he hasn't even developed the jump shot yet because it's a jump shot. So, and it looked like he was working on it because he started to take threes. He was made, it wasn't like, you know, obviously that's not his, his strong suit, but, you know, if he can develop just a consistent three, I mean, look at LeBron, right? Like LeBron developed into a very decent three-point shooter and that and you could tell like how much difference it makes in the in the player's game in today's NBA. So I would go Giannis one and I would go Luca two. You would go John oh I forgot about Luca. Luca I would one. go Luca two just because he can make you a contender now and he can make you a cha- a franchise a championship contender later. Yeah, man, I forgot about Luca. Luca's only like twenty twenty one. Exactly, and so he's, he's already an elite player at twenty one. I mean, there's nothing he can't do offensively, and you know the perfect thing is the way he plays. He, you don't have to worry about him breaking down or getting injured. You know, he's not very athletic. He's not a high flyer. So yeah, I actually might have to change my pick to Luca for my long term. Because I see him winning at least three MVPs and three championships. And I don't even think I see Giannis winning three championships. So, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I forgot about Luka. Okay. All right. Um, so, now, all right, so you got a question for us, too? Yeah. So, uh, this, this is for the fans that are listening out there. We're going to just go. Uh, we're going to take turns. One, him one, me one, him one. So. Right. All right um, so, I have a question. Uh from my buddy Neto. It's another NBA question. Uh, Neto asks, um, how do you think the Lakers will bounce back if the season resumes? I think because they were already healthy, it won't really affect them. You know, they'll just have to, um, you know, knock the rust off. Because it's not like they had to get healthy, but What's scary for the Lakers, if it does resume, is that other teams are getting healthier. The Clippers, you know, Paul George. I think had the, had these been the playoffs right now, I don't think the Clippers beat the Lakers because I don't think Paul George would have been healthy enough. But giving him these extra months, giving Kawhi these extra months, it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty scary. I don't. I mean, I'm a diehard Laker fan, but for some reason. I don't see them beating the Clippers in seven. Yeah, I never have seen... One fully healthy. One fully healthy. Yeah, I've never seen how the Lakers can can beat the Clippers. The Clippers just have too many guys. And Kawhi really in his prime is almost like a, you know, a Michael Jordan-level type of killer. And, he, you know, he hates LeBron, and he wants to destroy hmm. LeBron, and he's really kind of like, you know, he's mentally tougher than LeBron. Yeah. Uh, we know that because he went to the Clippers to directly oppose and have a rivalry with LeBron in Los Angeles. So, but as far as the Lakers, you know, um, I don't think it would, you know, I think they'd be fine. Like you said, they didn't, they didn't really have any, they didn't have any injury, any meaningful injuries. So there was really nothing for them to adjust to. Um, you know, I think they just come back and pretty much pick up, uh, right where they left off. You know, the chemistry was, was good. Uh, you know, whenever you have uh, two great players like LeBron and AD, that obviously makes everything easier. So, you know, I don't think the Lakers would would, uh, would have a problem. Like like, like Galvin said, you know, I've never thought that that the Lakers could uh, could beat the Clippers anyway. So I'm kind of I'm kind of hope the season doesn't even come back. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. That way, that way the Lakers don't lose instead of the Clippers winning. Right. I mean, I know the, the I, like I said on, yesterday on Twitter, I'm, I'm ready. I miss my sports, but, you know, I, I mean, I didn't think the Lakers were going to win the championship this year anyway. So, um, you know what's crazy? Wilson, real quick. I, obviously, being sports junkies like we are, we miss sports. But I thought, I don't know if it's because you just get used to life without sports, but it hasn't been as devastating as I thought it would have been. If you catch my drift, I mean, wh- wh- why? Like I thought, I thought I was going to be much more miserable without sports. Well, I'm starting to get miserable now. You know. I think you know what? It's it's. I think because I'm so, my mind is worried on other stuff. Like when the shit is when the coronavirus is going to end, so I can go back to work because I'm bored. But I know definitely in. I know definitely in June we're going to miss it because of the NBA Finals, NBA Draft, NFL training camps, and all that. Yeah, definitely, I really don't think that they can. I don't know. Basketball is one thing, but American football, I don't know how they could ever. Uh, Man, it's especially since the Lakers haven't been in the playoffs in like seven years, so we kind of got used to, the, for Laker fans, the NBA season being over by April, right. by February. Right. You know? It's uh, never been close. Uh, all right, so let's get another question from the mailbag. Let's see here. Choose. This is sorry. This is Mike from, on Facebook, a friend of mine. He says, "Choose the greatest franchise in all of sports." Well, you know, if we're talking greatest franchise in all of sports, I mean, I think that would have to be the New York Yankees. Uh, is it only, is it strictly only because of the number of championships they have? Yeah, I would say so, and just because of the, you know, baseball was, uh, you know, football was the most popular now, but that's only since like you know, I mean, football didn't really start. It's like a, it's like the last half of the 20th century that football started to really take off. But baseball was uh, the most popular sport in America in the early 1900s, and you know, going all the way back, to, I mean, you had Babe Ruth and. Lou Gehrig and, you know, all the way through, uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio and Mickey. They Malone. don't just have, they don't just have the championships. They have the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Because, like, you know, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. They, uh, I, do they do they have the most championships now in the NFL? No, the Steelers only have four. The Steelers have, the Steelers have six. I think the Patriots also have six. Okay, so. but like if you look at the the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. They could be one of the greatest if you just count championships, but they don't have the greatest players of all time on their franchise. You know, nobody considers Teddy Brett, uh, Bradshaw the the greatest quarterback, or you know, or they don't have the greatest wide receiver or the greatest running back of all time. No, uh, but yeah, like you know, the Yankees have you know. They have Ruth and they have Garrick and they have DiMaggio and they have Mantle and they have Jeter and they have Rivera and they have Reggie Jackson. You know. I okay, this may sound like a biased question. I mean sorry, biased answer. But I would say the Lakers only because they have the championships. They have the greatest they have the greatest players of all time except Michael Jordan, right? And they 
like the Yankees didn't really change baseball. Baseball, well, I mean, baseball hasn't really changed, right? Mm-hmm. But the Lakers, they literally changed basketball. You know, they went from it went from you know boring, you know, unathletic basketball to the Showtime. You know, the Laker girls, the putting the celebrities on the floor. I mean, that's all. That's all Lakers. That's all uh, Dr. Bus. You know, late great Dr. Bus. That's the only reason why I say I would I would say the Lakers. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's kind of two ways of looking at it. The most accomplished franchise is the Yankees. They have the most history. But as far as maybe entertainment, it's probably the Lakers, you know? But, yeah, yeah, you know, it just depends on how you you look at the question. Um, I got a question from my buddy Sark. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian? No, Anthony Sarkeesian. Oh. Oh, damn. He goes, Any relation? No. I wish. He goes, uh, what do Chargers fans have to do to win uh, fans over in Los Angeles? Uh, and can they overtake the Rams for LA's uh, football team? Uh, we spoke about this, uh, I think, sometime last week. There's two things they got to do. One is win. LA doesn't care. Unless you're the Lakers, LA does not care about Sports, unless you're winning, right? We're not a diehard sports town. We're not going to support losers, right? When the Dodgers stink, when Frank McCord was running the team, the stadium was always half empty. USC, the second they started stinking after Pete Carroll, the role, the, the, the Coliseum was empty, you know? And uh, so, one, they have to win, and I mean win the, win the Super Bowl. And two, unfortunately to me, they should have rebranded their whole team and start from fresh, something like LAFC did, the soccer team. Start new colors, new mascot, new team, so that way the younger generation can start, you know, start fresh. Right. Um, I think we, you're right. We might have talked about that last episode. or Maybe we were just talking on the phone. I don't remember. No, we were talking off the air. Right, okay, yeah. Um, so I, um, I think... Uh, I don't know. I think the Chargers need to move back to San Diego. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't know, for some reason. No, they, look, they should have, I'm sorry to cut you off, but they should have just, because I see it, like I live it, like personally, like I see it, you know, like LAFC, they got a lot of the young fans because, you know, they didn't, maybe they didn't grow up Galaxy fans, uh, soccer. So can you imagine like nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds like, a new NFL team that they can grow up rooting for, you know, and they start from scratch. Everything. Yeah, because I don't know what else. I don't know for some reason they just don't have that same. Yeah, I mean, unless the Raiders came, then obviously that's different. But, but the Chargers yeah. just for some reason they just don't they just don't do it for us here. You know, no. it seems like even if the Rams it's the same like the Clippers. Yeah, even if the it seems like even if the Rams weren't here, people still wouldn't really care about the Chargers that much. No, um, unless you're like unless you're like a diehard LA guy and you're just gonna root for them because it's the LA team. Right. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So, so we're gonna I'm gonna kind of switch it up a little bit. I am going to not ask. I have two questions here, but the first one we're gonna switch it up for sports. It's from Liliana on Facebook. It says, 
Where would you take a girl on a first date? <laughs> I feel like we we used to talk, I think we we talked about this on the DNA show before. Where would I take a girl on a first date? I would only... But that was that was that was if it, if we did speak about it, that was about five years ago. So you know you're 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 more mature now. So no, I'm not. You know, the world wants <laughs> the world wants to hear your answer. Where no, would you take? Where would you take future Miss Wilson? I would on a first date. I would only ever take a woman on a date to some place I already wanted to go. So like if I if I already planned on going somewhere or doing something so like, you know, I've asked a girl before if she wanted to go to the USC game with me. But I was already thinking about going to the USC game, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh I've asked a, you know, so I um it's the same girl who seemed like she was down like she was at least considering it at the time. Like she responded yeah. and said she said, you know, what time would we be done? She was visiting L.A. And then, like, last month I asked her, I, she, I told you this off the air, but I asked her, uh, I, she posted a, a picture of her playing, uh, she playing like some, she had gotten some board games during the quarantine on Snapchat. And yeah. I said, let's play some, I said, let's play iMessage games instead. And she said, she said, you'll never have my number. Laugh my ass off. <laughs> I was so, like, God damn. <laughs> so you wouldn't, so, okay, if a beautiful, if somehow, you managed to trick a beautiful girl into going on a date with her. I'm sure you would have to, like, she says, hey, we should go hang out somewhere. We should go somewhere. Where would you take her? Like, let's say, like, let's say it was the same day and you didn't have anything planned. I would, you're right. So you're asking me to, like, make something up. You know, it would, if I didn't have anything planned, it would be somewhere still that I like to go, you know? I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't go somewhere you know, try to make up something to go someplace that she likes to go. You know, it would be. Well, but but you wouldn't. But you wouldn't know what she really likes because it's the first date. Well, I know she wouldn't. I'm talking about what she, what she was talking about like what I like anyway. You know, I yeah. like going to football games and I like going to you know LA Live and just you know so hanging out. Yeah, so we could you know we could do stuff. It would be something like that. Which. Yeah, would you hold your girl's uh, hand on the first date? I would never. You'll never see me. <laughs> I'm not one for public displays of defect of affection. You you would never see me holding hands with a female, kissing a female in public. Let me let me ask let me ask uh, let me answer the question first, and then I'll tell you what how I feel about that as well. I would I would take I took my wife to a Dodger game. That was our very first date. I took her to a Dodger game. We had a good time, and then it backfired on me because I had I tried to try to you know impress her. I got the preferred parking, and so I paid extra for that. And we actually parked uh, right behind the pavilion. That's where the home. That's where the home runs land. And my I didn't realize my seats were behind behind a uh, home plate. That was pointless. We had to walk around the whole stadium for nothing. And. Um, you know, we we'll always laugh about that, that I spent money on preferred parking for nothing. But, yeah, I guess, you know, obviously the worst place you could take a girl is, like, to a club or to a movie theaters because you can't really, you know what I'm saying, can't really talk to her or nothing. But, uh, yeah, I guess they're right, like a sporting event because it's somewhere where, yeah, you could talk, but you enjoy it. She enjoys it, you know? <laughs> Remind me of when I... I went. This is how stuff that gives me anxiety. 
one time I went to a um I went to a USC game and I, I got you know I thought the tickets were like I got them like off of game time or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought they were really good tickets. Yeah. But, you know, I just I thought they were good like based on just like the you know when you look at the thing and it shows you like where your seat is gonna be. Yeah. Like in the you know, like the little graphic or whatever. Yeah. And it looked like they're really good seats and then when I get to the game and the seats were like all the way up at the top of the stadium. Yeah. And I was thinking like what if I had asked a girl, Hey, let's go to the USC game, I got really good tickets and then we get there and I'm like, Sir, <laughs> and do it's you know nosebleed. Huh? And the nosebleed seat. Yeah, and I'm like, Sir, do you know I'm like I'm now like in the bottom row in the bottom tier, close to the field. And I'm like, Sir, do you know where my where my seat is? And he says, Uh, bro, like you're like all the way up there at the top. And I have to walk all the way up there to yeah. the top. And you're gonna be all sweaty with your girl. With the girl week. on the first, like on the first, like, and she's gonna be yeah. like, she'll like, be like, look at this cheapo. They're like, what's wrong with this guy? And I imagine yeah. like all the people in the stands watching me. Oh, Go up. God. Yeah. Oh my lord. Let's uh, just let's just move on. But hold on. Let me about when you said about public affection. I will admit there was times in the first year, maybe year and a half where I would hold my girlfriend's hand. Well, she's my wife now, but I would hold her hand. But it was it was probably just because it happened, because we were walking right next to each other. It wasn't because, like, oh, my God, baby, I'm going to hold your hand because I want to be romantic. No. And I never liked showing public affection because, that's to me, that's lame and it's cheesy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, and I guess it's because my parents never showed affection in front of me. And that's because I'm their I'm their son, you know. It's not like they're it's not like it's random people. But I never saw my dad giving my mom a kiss. I never saw him hugging her. I never saw him holding her hand. You know, I never heard him saying "I love you" and this and that, or calling her babe. Um, I guess that kind of rubbed off on me. But to me, I I see that and I just cringe. Like I see couples holding hands and it just I can't do it, man. And it's not because I, I want to act like that macho, you know, oh, hell no, I don't do it. It's just I don't. I can't do it, man. I well, can't. Now that I think about it, I would never even take a woman on a date. I would never take a woman on a date. Where would you take her? Just back to your place? Yeah. To smash? That's it. Netflix and chill? I'm not taking, a woman. I'm not taking a woman on any kind of date. Who do you think you're talking to, man? You know who I am? <laughs> do you forget who I am, boy? <laughs> a simp, you a simp, boy. No, no. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay, I got so it. you got it. So I guess you have your question. Yeah, I have a question. I'm gonna try to do a non-first question too. Um. Okay, this guy said AC March on Facebook said, "What is the one piece of media you know is objectively bad, but you enjoy it anyway?" That might be a tough question to. Answer off the is top por- of Is porn? Is, can I? Is porn a media? Sure. Okay, there you go, porn. But I think he meant like an like like a a specific a specific like like some movie that really sucks, but you like it, you know, or oh, um, okay, okay, like something that's kind of embarrassing to admit it's good. Yeah. Um. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I, okay, I may not. I may okay. This may sound. It may not answer the question, but it might be close. I'm. I don't. I'm not afraid to watch chick flicks. I'm not saying I like them. I'm not saying I go out of my way to watch them, but I will watch them, and I won't 
be like, oh, that's a chick flick, man. I'm not going to watch that. Or like, for example, the like, remember when we were in, when we were in middle school and high school, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, every, uh, like, we were, we were so cool. We were afraid to say that they were popping. And I go back and I listen to their music and I'm like, hey, this wasn't that bad, man. You know? Justin Timberlake, <laughs> Backstreet Boys, they weren't that bad. No, they were good. That was good I mean, music. but, you know, like I said, like, at that in that era, you know, you had Jay-Z and 50 Cent and DMX and, you know, all these hardcore gangster rappers. So who the hell was going to, uh, what 13, 14-year-old boy was going to admit that he liked the Backstreet Boys? Right. I mean, I admitted it. I was, I was into that back then. Britney Spears, yeah. Christina Aguilera, I was into all that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, you know, if I had put more, you know, like, if I had actually thought about it, you know, it's hard. that's a hard question to answer without putting some thought Thinking into about. it beforehand. But, you know, I just thought about it that I, um, you know who Ice J.J. Fish is? Yeah. You know that On the Floor song? Everybody makes fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that song, man. Yeah. It's so bad that it's good. Yeah. And he looks like you can tell, he, you know, he can sing. He can play the piano. Like, he has musical talent. And he can sing. Yeah. He can, you know, he can sing better than that. He's just trolling, basically. And it kind yeah, of he's just to, mocking. He's just mocking himself. Yeah, he's mocking it's himself. Like, it's like that one. It's like a rapper that's so bad that somehow he makes it famous. Yeah. You know? But, you know, he's. I mean, well, look at Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy's not a rapper, mm-hmm. but he was so bad. He was able to make a, a catchy hook and a, and, a, and a pretty cool beat. That was it, man. Um, I um, but I I like like I, that uh, his his melodies and his production, it's yeah. it's good. But he just didn't, he's a didn't, troll. Wasn't there a rumor? Wasn't there a rumor that he had signed the cash money? I don't remember. <laughs> that was probably a lot. But <laughs> yeah, as a songwriter, he could probably do some. You know, uh, you know. He's not a he's yeah. not a fool. He just acts like yeah. he is. Exactly. All right. So I got a question from Nestor on IG. Plain and simple. Boobs or ass? Now, see, people like to talk about this on 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 Twitter. And this, of course, is the age old question. Um, mm-hmm. For me, in a vacuum, I'm going with boobs. Just because mm-hmm. it, to me, there's just nothing like staring at a nice rack. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. black guys are different. They like the, the behind. I've never been yeah. like that. I've always been a, a breast man myself. Yeah. Uh, now, now if it's, if it's like I said, just to look at, you know, it, like I said, boobs. But if it's, uh, people always ask on Twitter, you know, is it better to have, for a girl to have big boobs and no ass or big ass and no boobs? And in that in that case, you'd rather have a big ass and no boobs, like big big boobs. But okay, but you gotta define no boobs. I mean, you're not gonna be flat chested like a man, but there's a girl. I mean, line. define no boobs. Like, I mean, because if it's literally no boobs, then what the fuck? I know, I know. There's a, a there was a flat chested girl that I went to West LA College with, who to this day. But she had like a nice, I mean, not no crazy Nicki Minaj ass or anything like that. But it yeah. was a nice, like, you know, for her, because she, she was kind of, you know, like slender kind of. But it was a nice, like, it was just a nice ass, you know. Yeah. And it stuck out, you know. 
and she's into this day. I still, I'm still kind of in love with her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't even know. She didn't, if, if I walked past her in the street, she wouldn't even remember me. But she was so hot with the, she when she was flat chested, you know. Yeah. But she had she used to wear these. I wrote a poem about her back in the day called Catwoman, and she would wear these black yeah. leggings with the nice little ass and the you know. But she was flat chested, but she was bad as hell, man. So yeah, you know. You know, to this day, till this day, I've. I will always be a boobs guy. I don't know what it is. It, like you said, it's nothing like looking at, at some nice melons. But, yeah, bro, I'm always, to this day, I'm always going to be a boobs man. Um, so, wait, okay. I think I have, No, you have. Okay, yeah. so I got one more. Um, yeah. Uh... Okay, so it says, so this is from Justin Wallace. Um, the last question was from AC March. I thought I didn't mention that. But this one is from Justin Wallace, also on Facebook. And his question is, uh, what's the toughest living mammal? Uh, I guess this is a, I guess this would be a, a subjective question, you know, based, you know, whatever we think it is, you know. Um, is, is a lion or a tiger a mammal? Yeah, I, no, think right? I think those are mammals. Right, I have no because when when people think mammals, people think like in the in the water in the sea. So I always think like a like an elephant is a mammal, or a, I guess, or I don't know, man. Yeah, come on, man, you gotta have another question than that. That's the, I don't have any other. Uh, I mean, I well, have other sports questions, but we moved on from sports. Well, thanks to Wilson, our mailbag came to a complete and. Sudden stop because we don't know what the fuck a mammal is. Let me see. I'm looking up mammal right now. A mammal is a warm-blooded vertebrate animal of a class that is distinguished by the possession of hair or fur, the secretion of milk by females for the nourishment of the young, and the birth of live young. So pretty much anything is a mammal. Yeah. But our, but our, our, but except fishes and anything that's in the water, those wouldn't be considered warm-blooded, would they? Right. I guess a mammal is any. Um, so I would, I would, eat, I would go with because I've seen, I've seen videos of like tigers fucking up alligators mm -hmm. and stuff. So I, I would go with a tiger. Yeah, I've seen. <laughs> uh, you know, I remember I was on Twitter and somebody, it was, it was something, it was something about a. a how tigers on the back of their ear I'm not sure which tiger it is but they have they have something on the back of their ears that looks like eyes to yeah. make it so it like basically is a, you know like an ad ad adaptation to kind of ward off predators you know yeah. so if a predator is coming from behind it might not be able to tell if the tiger's looking at them or not and somebody said I'm, that they're, they're a little bit that made them a little bit less afraid of tigers and a little bit more afraid of of whoever the hell preys on a tiger, you know, because tigers are some some badasses. But yeah, they. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. ask uh, just ask uh, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskins. <laughs> but if you, that's, I have to get Netflix again so I can watch that. But if you, um, I I saw the first episode. I saw the first two, and I was just like, yeah, this ain't for me. And people, uh, it was one of those shows where it's like you got to keep watching, it, you got to keep watching it because it gets good. And so, yeah, but but I was um, you always remember what they said in The Wolf of Wall Street, right? 
I don't know if it was in the Wolf of Wall Street. It's not, I remember the quote being attributed to the Wolf of Wall Street, I think. But it said that, uh, it said that the, it said that the, the lion and the tiger may be stronger, but only the wolf does not uh, perform in the circus, you know? So if you can, if you can take an animal and put it in the circus, then maybe it's, you know, you could, I mean, it's some ability to You could probably it. tame a tiger and a lion, but you can't tame a wolf. You can't tame a but wolf. But you can, though. But you can, though. But you would have to, but I think you can only tame the, you could tame, I, actually, I think the only animal you cannot tame is like a shark or something. But, because I've seen foxes, I've seen tamed foxes, but you have to get them when they're super young. Like, they're super little, and you cannot expose them to the wildlife, and you just always got to keep them hungry. Do not let them, and do not scare them. Because, you know, they're all instinctual animals. Right. You know? But, you know, but, oh, I mean, ultimately, you know, I know the honey badger is really tough, pound for pound. Um... But, you know, still, even though I just, even when I like, you know, they have bears in the circus, but yeah. if, I know that, I know that I would, you know, I would say a honey badger or a, um, a, a grizzly, I know a grizz, grizzly bears are vicious, yeah. badass. But so are polar bears, especially, I mean, you know what, I guess any hungry, starving animal is pretty, yeah. it and just depends on. Any, any mother animal too. When but you know to. the one the one animal I'm so scared of and I don't think I would ever freaking touch one. I don't think I'd ever touch a snake. I don't want to see a snake. Like I I'm not as scared of spiders, but like there's just something about a snake that is just nah, I can't. Can't go. Right. So I guess that's you don't have any more questions, do you? No. Right. Neither do I. Uh, hopefully, we'll, you know, have more questions next week. Um, but now, um, I'm gonna I wanna throw to the uh, to the interview um, with uh, with Alfred. Uh, like I said, about his his football career playing at uh, Long Beach Poly and USC. Um, during the glory days, the, la- the last, the latest glory days USC had under Pete Carroll. So I hope you guys enjoy that interview. Uh, God, was you got anything you want to say to people until you, uh, you know? Uh, you hear yeah, just uh, when Anthony when Anthony um, promotes it on social media, give it a thumbs up, send us some questions, and we'll answer them. We'll give you a shout out, and uh, that's you know. See you guys next week. Right. So. Um, Next up is uh, you hear the uh, the interview that I did with Alfred, and um, yeah, uh, hope you enjoy it. Alfred Rowe, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great. So uh, yeah, I'm with uh, talking to uh, Alfred Rowe right now. Guy I've known for a long time, since uh, about 1999, 1999 to be exact. Uh, uh, you know, this guy comes from a football family. Um, you know, the, the, the Rowe football family, as I like to call it. Uh, all th- you know, he and both of his brothers both played uh, at Long Beach Poly, and then in the um, in the Pac-10 slash Pac-12, uh, Alfred went to USC. Uh, his younger brother Kenny was a great player for Oregon under Chip Kelly. Uh, and Mike Bellotti, Mike Bellotti. Oh, he, he was on Mike, Chip. He never. He, he played with he played with Chip, but Mike Bellotti was the one that brought that class in. Okay, so yeah, prop, props to Mike Bellotti. 
uh, <laughs> and um, I still remember Pete on the sideline. I think it was no, no, that might have been Jeff Taffer. I don't remember telling you know, telling somebody after you from across the sideline. But uh, and then and then of the other brother Matthew went to Arizona State, right? Yeah, correct. But uh, he got recruited by uh, Dennis Erickson, but he was let go, so he played for Todd Graham. Okay, and uh, now so I know Alfred from middle school uh, in Transfiguration. And I often think about how, you know, um, I can remember, like, you know, by the time I graduated, and I never played football, really, but from, by the time I graduated from uh, Transfig, I was already about six foot and almost about 290 pounds. And I just remember Alfred actually, you know, I mean, we may have been around the same height, but he was, you know, he was a, you know, a, a much, you know, he didn't weigh probably more than 160 pounds or something like that at that point. But he was stronger than I was. <laughs> and I can remember us playing, you know, PE, flag football. And him just being on a totally different level, you know, physically than the rest of us. So my question is, like, at what point did your dad get you guys started um, in sports? And was that always the goal for you guys to, you know, end up doing what you're doing and having a football career? Well, it's funny that you ask that because um, a lot of people think I'm from Long Beach because I went to Long Beach Poly. And uh, <clears throat> I grew up on the east side of L.A., um, 48th and Avalon, Middle South Central. And that's where my mom is from, but she was there when that was a good area. Then, you know, if you know the east side now, it wasn't a good area. So they felt the best way to keep us off the streets was just to put us in the park. And uh, we pretty much played everything. We played basketball. Kenny's actually a better basketball player than me, you know. Mm -hmm. We played baseball. Um, we ran track. And then we played football. So Year round, we was always in the park. I, I mean, you probably remember going to see, you see us in a basketball uniform, and we'll get dressed in the bathroom in the spring. We'll have a baseball uniform on. Um, and eighth grade was the year that I did get hurt, and I came in that with that big ass knee brace. Uh, mm -hmm. But <laughs> it's just we just grew up in the park. It was the best way for us to for us to stay out of trouble, and it kept us out of trouble. Like I, I, I remember when I was a kid, we probably had two weeks at home. Other than that, we was always in the season. We was just constantly in the season. And, it just kept us out of trouble. Um, it kept us on, the, it kept our eyes on the pride. It wasn't a, you're going to be a football player, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Our parents always preached to us, whatever you want to do when you get to high school, you're allowed to do it. But right now, you're doing all this. And their motive was just to keep us out of trouble. Right. Um, yeah, I know. We played, we played, uh, I think Alfred didn't play basketball with us until eighth grade. I think he ever played flag football with us. But no, Ken never. Yeah, never, never. Kenny, we weren't allowed to play flag football with you guys. Right, that's right. Because you, I remember talking. We were playing basketball. I think it was in eighth grade, and I was talking to Aaron Katz, and he was saying that Kenny was playing in the in the Super Bowl, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I didn't even know at the time. Like Kenny was so Kenny was like the best basketball player we had in the school, and I didn't even know at that time that Kenny was so was such a great football player, which is funny. Um, but yeah, um, and so your dad. Was your so what did, what did your dad do? Was your dad always involved in sports or? Uh? So so, <laughs> it, if, if if we go back, pretty much, uh, two generations from me, um, and it's crazy now because it's how you look at it. When I recruit kids, uh, both of my grandfathers were athletes. Um, uh, my mom's dad ran track, played basketball. My dad's dad played baseball and played football. Um, my dad was the same way growing up, played every single sport. My mom was actually a track athlete and played volleyball. Um, 
going through her prep days and things like that, uh, wasn't quite good enough to play in college. But my dad played my dad played college football. He originally started off at UCLA and then transferred to Long Beach State at that time when they had football. But people say that he was also a good baseball player in high school. He just didn't want to play. Um, he went the football route. So it's just a genetic thing, I think. And, you know, it, it's funny because we just had a conversation about this with a couple of friends. And um, one of my buddies, he's from Texas, and they had the most draft picks. And I always come back to it and say, well, <clears throat> C.D. Lamb, for example, mm-hmm. played in Oklahoma, right? So no matter where he would have been born, he would have still been that good. So how much credit does the coach from Oklahoma get? You know, they're screaming Texas, Texas, Texas. But if you're playing with that skill set in a high school skill set in college, he wouldn't be that good. I think it's just a genetic thing. Um, so it's just, you know, I think we were just genetically, and like I said, we grew up in the park. And us growing up in the park, we just, we've done it for so long. We were doing it since we were about five years old. You know, I remember playing bitty ball at five years old. And the next thing you know, we ended up playing everything. You know, we started playing football at eight. And then it just, we went, honestly, we went from, we will go from football to football to track. We'll run track and a couple of track meets for, until baseball started. We'll play baseball. Once baseball ended, we'll go play travel basketball. Once we come back from wherever the national championship is from travel basketball, as soon as we'll get back, we're right back into football. So like I said, it's about two we had about two weeks where we just didn't have anything to do. But other than that, we just constantly stayed in sports. Right. Um, so after Transfig, um was it all three of you went to Long Beach Poly. Was that always that was always was that by the de- de- uh, design? It, it actually wasn't. So I went to summer school for. To, I went to summer school at Sarah. I was gonna go to Sarah, and um, Sarah was not a fit for me. So we had a conversation. My dad wanted me to go to Crenshaw. It would have been easy ride, one hundred and five, straight up, straight up Vernon. We would have been good. My mom did not was not a fan of LAUSD. So we started doing research. We had some friends from Bowen Hills where we played Pop Warner at, and they said, well, come on to Polly. So we went over to Polly, and that's how we ended up there. Right. Um, that's funny. My my dad went to Crenshaw. He would always tell me the story when he when he sacked John Elway, when Elway mm-hmm. was at Granada Hills. That when was like Granada his, Hills, yeah. <laughs> that was like his claim to, his my dad's claim to fame. Uh so at Long Beach probably now, you know, I mean maybe people today I mean I think any anybody should know Long Beach probably's history in football in Southern California. But, mm-hmm. you know, especially I mean it's died down some now, I guess, but when I was a kid, I mean Long Beach probably basically ruled, you know, I mean you had De La Salle, that's like North North California, I think. But as far as Southern California, Long Beach probably I mean pretty much, you know, it was De La Salle and Long Beach probably in uh, in high school football. And you know, I mean, to this day, Long Beach probably has produced more NFL players uh, than any other um, school. Uh, let me pull up this list here of all the the guys. First of all, they produced Tony Gwynn, who uh, played yeah. played up baseball. Ty who was Sa- an excellent basketball player, by the That's way. Right. He got a scholarship playing basketball and baseball to San Diego State. Right. Um, Ty Setney, who won a uh, a championship at UCLA playing basketball. 
And then in football, you have Brian Banks, Darnell Bing, um, Jarrell Casey, who's like a four-time Pro Bowler right now, Herschel Dennis, uh, Deshaun Jackson, who should have been the, who should have gone to USC, Winston Justice, Kareem Kelly, Mercedes Lewis, Big Willie McGinnis, the legend. Uh, I'm looking. Uh, Alfred Rose. Alfred Rose's name is right here on Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> uh, Juju, of course. Manuel Wright. Um, so, which which guys did you? play with at Long Beach Poly who you know were, were names that people from this city who watch USC or UCLA would remember so so Deshaun's a year older than me me and Deshaun won the 2004 CIA championship together okay Tutu who's Darrell Casey Tutu was two years older younger than me but as a senior he played on the D-line with me um I, I that's pretty much it from the guys who made it from when I played but the thing about Poly was I met Darnell, I met Manny, met Mercedes, <laughs> I met Herschel. I was at SC with Herschel. He mm-hmm. took me under his wing as soon as I got there. I met Mark Carrier. I met Willie McGinnis. You know, those guys always came back. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those guys even worked out there, you know, in the spring. And that's how you really test to see how good you really were because they were working out. And, you know, Don Norford, who's a legend, Don Norford is a legend. And a lot of people might not know who he is, but he was a track coach at Poly. But he worked those guys out. And if you're walking by, the first thing is to go get your cleats. And you got your cleats, and you, now you're out there working out with dudes who are in the NFL, you know, or dudes with NFL caliber. I found out that I wasn't good enough when I decided to do a one-on-one with Winston Justice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, I could bend the corner on you. Well, shit, next thing you know, <laughs> I'm looking at the sky. <laughs> you know, and it was just a one-hand stab. It was real simple. And <clears throat> it... You find out real fast, but you know you constantly working with those guys. Those guys constantly come back, they constantly come back. But I should say they were constantly coming back. Are they doing it now? That I don't, I don't know. But those guys were always around, always around, always. It's funny that was going to be my next question because I remember one time I went on a tour of the Coliseum and they were talking about how you know they they, they had like this secret room that they would bring the, the 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 recruits into, and they were like you know you might come in there one time and. You know, Marcus Allen will walk, you know, out of the room, like just as like a recruiting, you know, boost. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's interesting that those guys come back and you got to meet all those those big names like that. Um, but you, I think you were a, a three-star recruit, right? Coming out of... Uh, I, I was a three-star recruit. And if you really look at it, <clears throat> I was a three-star recruit in two positions. So I like to say, I always tell people I was a six-star and they're like, well, there's not six stars. Well, <laughs> I was in between a safety and a linebacker. Mm-hmm. You know, I was only 187 pounds in high school. I was playing outside linebacker. And so then it gets into the funny part. Excuse me about that noise. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets to the funny part about, uh, well, what position is he going to play? Is he going to be big enough to play linebacker? Well, he was fast enough. Because I, I ran 4-5 with no training mm-hmm. in high school. So, you know, he's fast enough to play backer. He could tackle. I mean, safety, he could tackle. You know, and so it just came down to what am I going to play and where are we going to put him at? So some had me ranked as a safety, some had me ranked as a linebacker. And so that's why I always say I was a six-star recruit because I was a three, three-star three safety and a three-star linebacker. And that's where it got a little funny. So and then, so my recruiting process really was really funny because <clears throat> SC always wanted me to come on campus. And I always told them I don't need to. I was like, I grew up down the street. I've been there. I've been in the library to do, to do school reports. I know about the basement. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, 
shit. I was like, all right, this in the offer. And my deal was always with schools. If I get an offer from Miami or SC, everything else is off the table. Right. Mm. And so and that's that's what happened. So um, got the SC. I went to SC. Never been on a recruiting visit or anything. I went to a junior day, and that's it. I knew. I mean, that's my backyard. When it was a big game and the fans cheered, I could hear them at my house. Right, right. You know, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't need to see anything. You know, I've been to a couple of games. I. I didn't. I know. No, I lost. I, I did take advantage of that. I took advantage of the free tickets. I was at the Fresno State, uh, USC game when Reggie Bush went off. Wow. Were you on the yeah. sideline or the? Different? I was. We were not allowed to be on the sideline, but we were in the stands. Okay. And a funny story about that was, shoot, we were on pretty much no sleep. We played a game the night before in in, in uh at a uh, it's called Quest Field now, but then it was a uh, Century League, but it was Quest Field then. We played Bellevue High School, and um, that Friday night, we hopped a plane Saturday morning and went straight to the Coliseum and went to that game. Wow. So, um, so I was at that game. It was no, I knew I, this is my backyard. You know, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. You know, you pass it up. Yeah, man, I can say the same as a kid from South Central. I could hear the, the PA announcer, you know, over the loudspeaker. And well, I'd be, you know, if I were in the backyard, I could hear him, you know, that's yep. how close I am. Um, yep. So, but were any of the, were any other schools looking at you though coming out of? Um... So pretty much the whole Pac-12 besides Stanford. Okay. So it was the whole Pac-12. Fresno State wanted me, and I was really close to going to Fresno State. SC was tiptoeing with the offer. I fell in love with Pat Hill, and when I went up there on a visit, I figured this was the place for me. Um, same thing with Oregon State, and a lot of people were like, "Well, why would you want to go to those two schools?" And you know. Um, I, I, I'll say this. I don't regret going to SC. Not one bit. I, I won't regret it, but I do regret the decision that I made because I went to SC off of emotion, mm-hmm. and I should have even went to Fresno State or Oregon State off of the way I felt. Right. So, that's how that happened. But pretty, the whole Pac-12 besides Stanford. Right. And Stanford at that time, was this, this was before Harbaugh when you were being recruited, right? It was before Harbaugh, yeah, but there was still a decent team, and Ever coming up, um, so, but it was no way I was gonna be able to succeed at Stafford academically. Right, right. <laughs> so it wasn't even worth. Yeah. It wasn't even worth wasting the time. Right. Okay. So now, so you get to, um, you get to USC. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is now. This is so you get there. You 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 get there in the you know you play your first game, fall of two thousand six, right? Yes. So this is. This is Reggie. This is just at Reggie Lindell, Matt. They no, all. No, no, they're gone. They're yeah. gone. Right, they're gone. Uh, uh, but Dwayne's still there. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Smith is still there. Uh, Sam Baker's still there. Ryan Khalil. Ryan Khalil, who's I think made five pro. You know, he's been one of the best centers of his of his time. That offensive line was nuts. <laughs> that offensive line that Reggie Lindell running behind was nuts with Winston Johnson and Baker and. And Khalil, and then you had Deuce, and you had uh, Matua, but yep. um, so but but still though, you know, this is still a, a you know a Rose Bowl team. Even after yep. those guys leave, it's still a a, a you know a, a team that's you know winning the you know, the Pac-10. You know, so what? Just what is? I mean, you know, during these these still these glory years of the Pete Carroll Trojans, what is that experience like, just in general? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you first. What is it like to play for Pete Carroll during that time? I mean, it, it's it's everything you expect it to be. 
Um, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll is one of those guys that really is about you. You know, he's about you, and he wants to make sure that his team is taken care of. Now, the thing that people get, people, the things people don't understand about Pete Carroll is that uh, he's a player's coach. But once you mess up and you got to go see him in his office, he's going to say some things to you that, <laughs> that you didn't expect him to hear. You know, Pete Carroll is about us. He's all about his uh, rule number one for him is always protect the team. He's about us. He's an us guy. We can't do this by ourselves. You know, he, he's about everybody. We have to be able, the only way we're going to be able to succeed is if we do it together. You know, and it, it, it was amazing. You know, one of the things, you know, the things that stick out for me from my freshman year was uh, randomly he said all the freshmen have a meeting. And we walk into the meeting, and it's a whole layout of chicken strips, anything you could think of. You know, from the cafeteria, ice cream bar, <clears throat> and he's just pretty much going over with his site. You know, and he tells us we need to learn the fight song, and you know, he just wanted to make sure we were okay. And you know, we had like a little snack that night, and it it was all right. The second thing I remember is uh, our first home game at the at the at the Coliseum. Um, you know, our first our first game was against uh, Darren McFadden at Arkansas. We pretty much curved seemed like they were didn't even exist. So first home game was at the Coliseum. And I believe played who do I don't even remember who he played, but um, I remember walking on the field, and I remember this to this day like it was yesterday. I remember walking on the field. I was standing next to Lawrence Jackson, and I looked at Lawrence and I told him, I said, "Hey man, like, damn, like I I, I never think I'd be doing this." <laughs> he just looked at me and he just smiled, and then you know we did our thing in the middle of the field, and next thing you know, like I'm on the field. I am a part of a USC game, you know, and <laughs> you, you just never expect that. Like, you, you, you kind of think to yourself, man, all this hard work paid off. But then again, it's like, wow, you know, you, like, you're you in awe, you know. And we were filling the stadium at that time, 94,000 people at a boy game. It gets loud. And, you know, my freshman year, I redshirted. And, but he still made us feel like we was a part of it. And, it, it was just amazing, you know. I remember the Rose Bowl. I remember Coach Carroll coming in every day saying, we're going to work our ass off, we're going to play our ass off, and then we're going to party. And that's exactly what we did all 15 days. We worked our ass off, we played our ass off, we beat Michigan with Jake Long and Chad Henney, and then we, we, had, a, we had an after party. You know, it, it, it was amazing. Um, now, I, I forgot to ask who, who else was in your class that came to USC that year, that um, sixth class. <laughs> so our class was the year we had all the running backs. So we had CJ Gable, Nam Moody, Stephon Johnson, uh, David Osbury, Anthony McCoy, Taylor Mays, David Buer, Butch Lewis, Alex Parsons. <sighs> trying to see if I'm forgetting anybody. Any safety? Me and Taylor running two safeties. Mike Morgan. Mike Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um. On the D line, Derek Simmons. Do we have any other D line coming, or who was was he the only one? I think he was the only one. I believe Gerald Washington came in with us also. Who was a, uh, He's actually a boxer now. He's like the number three boxer in the world. Mm-hmm. Played tight end. Um, uh, that's all I can remember. If I forget anybody, I I completely apologize. It was so long ago. Right. Jameer Holland. Jameer Holland. Jameer Holland. Okay. Jameer Holland. 
And uh, so that's pretty much what I could think of. Okay. Um, now, <laughs> now on that team, you're playing with. Uh, you know, so, so you're playing with, with two people we haven't mentioned. You're playing with Brian Cushing. You're you're playing with with Clay Matthews, who didn't really break out until 2008. Um, well, that that's not true. Okay. That's not true. We our linebacker core oh, got drafted, and that's what people forget. Right, so my freshman year, Ray Maluga, Keith Rivers, and Ray, Ray Maluga. Oh my god! <laughs> Ray Maluga, Keith Rivers, and Dallas Sarks. Mm-hmm. Right, those were the starters. The backups was Brian Cushion, Clay Matthews, and Thomas Williams, and Kaluka Mayava. All six of those guys got drafted and played in the NFL mm-hmm. for more than five years. Right. So they were just kind of, you know, they just were waiting their turn, I guess. No, they all played. Oh, okay. They, they all played. Two series and rotated. Two series and rotated. They all played. Okay. Um, they all played. The second year, we went to a 3-4 and put Kush at a stand-up end. So Kaluka, Ray, and uh, Clay, it was Clay at stand-up. Ray was in the middle. Kaluka and Brian. And it was Ray, Kaluka, and Brian. When Kush all on the field at the same time. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's one of the best linebacking cores you could possibly see in college football. Now, we were loaded at backer. Yeah. I mean, just completely loaded. And a lot of people don't remember Keith Rivers and and Dallas Sarks. And we had Oscar Lua, who played for the Patriots. Yeah. So he played too. Um. So we had seven backers playing that were really good. Yeah. Damn good. Um. We also now a game I want to ask you about. Because uh, I'll never forget this. Because you know, people were thinking, you know, that UBC might take a, a step back after losing those, you know, all-time greats that they lost to the draft. But you go into the last, you know, the, the rivalry game against USC, and you guys are eleven and one. I think you rank, you know, in the top two. So all you got to do is win that game. That's not a good UCLA team, and all you have to do is win that game, and you guys are back in the national championship again. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, it's to me, it's one of the. You know, I was just talking to my co-host about it. Who, you know, he's not he's not here. For, you know, not in, take part of the interview. But you know, and I think he was saying that other than the, the loss against Texas, you know, maybe that loss against against UCLA was like the most devastating loss, you know, of that Pete Carroll uh, era. Um, and I'll always remember that last, you know, that tipped interception. You know, when John David, you know, throws it in the, the kid. You know, I, yep. I, I knew yep. somebody who knew the kid. He tips it in the air. And then turns around and catches it before it hits the ground, you know. Yep. Like, what was that like, and what was the feeling like in the? You know, I always used to hate to see Pete sad. What was the feeling like in the locker room, like after that, after that loss? Let's get ready to play the Rose Bowl. Wow. <laughs> we didn't do what we had to do. It's all right. Let's get ready to play the Rose Bowl. Wow. What a, that, that's, at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, our goal was always to win the Pac-10 and to beat win the Rose Bowl. That's all we had control over. We had control over our schedule, the Pac-10, and the Rose Bowl. Where the BCS put us, we had no control over that. So we had to get ready to play the Rose Bowl. We were still able. We were still able to control our destiny. You know, um, at that time it was based off the BCS, and that's when the SEC was starting to become overrated. And you know. Like, everybody forgot that we went and just demolished the best team in the SEC that year. Right. And, you know, 
And so then they forget that part, and the SEC is the best conference, this and that. But at the end of the day, we can't control what a, where a computer puts it. All we can control is we win the conference and we go to the Rose Bowl, we won the Rose Bowl. So let's get ready to go play the Rose Bowl. You know, you, you, you're disappointed. Yeah, of course. You never want to lose. Everybody hates losing. But at the end of the day, we still had we still had goals to accomplish. So we just had to go do what we had to do. Right. And so you guys took care of, you know, uh, uh, business and you took care of Michigan. Uh, and the next year, uh, you go 11-2 and two again, win the Rose Bowl again against Illinois in a, in a route. Um, <laughs> and uh, one game I want to ask you about, I think people still say this is maybe the biggest upset odds, you know, as far as odds in the history of college football when Stanford came to the Coliseum and beat a number two ranked uh, USC team uh, 24 to 23. Did you play in that game? I I, I did play. I I was on kickoff at that time. But, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everybody forgets that they got 85 kids on scholarship too. Right. You know, they, it's, People, people are quick to say, well, you should have won, you should have won this and that, but any school that you see that's a Division One besides the Ivy League, you know, they, they have kids with scholarship too. And most of those kids are from L.A., so they have something to prove. Now, is that an excuse? No, it's not an excuse. We should have we should have executed and did what we had to do, but, you know, there was a lot of factors that day. J.D. broke his finger. You know, nobody knew J.D. broke his finger. So, um, it's, it's easy to stand stand in the stands or watch from home, but if you never if you weren't on the sideline that day, you know our quarterback was down, and right. that that and that's what happened. Our quarterback was down. He was playing with a broken finger, and you know we just didn't execute again. You know, um, that was a bad week in practice. We got kicked off the field that week in practice, and it showed. One thing with Coach Carroll was practice is everything. You know, we didn't not practice well that week, and we ended up losing to a team we should have beat. Right, it happens. Um, and then, so the next year, and this is 2008, and I think, you know, I still think maybe this might have been, I mean, this, this was maybe the most complete team top to bottom that Pete had there. Um, only loss is the, that loss against Oregon State. What, what, what was your role in 2008? Were you still on special teams, or what was what was your deal there? I wasn't there in the 2008 season. I was only there for 2007-2006. Okay, so I was only there for 2006-2007. Okay. Yeah. And then, I, you know, yeah, I guess you had some uh, some problems or whatever, and you ended up... Uh, no, I'm still the truth. Is I'm, I'm 100% transparent. I, I, I didn't take care of business in the classroom. Okay. <laughs> I didn't take care of business in the classroom. I got another chance, and I took advantage of that chance, and... um. I blew my opportunity. Right. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, well, this, it was all, it was 100% my fault. You know, I would tell anybody this who was coming out or is getting recruited, besides the coaching situation that's going on there right now, USC is the greatest university in the world. Mm -hmm. You will not meet anybody. You will not meet the people you meet. USC is one of the few places where it you won't meet people from the same state. My neighbors were all from different states. My freshman year, I had one neighbor from Minnesota and one neighbor from uh, Egypt. The next year, one neighbor was from Hawaii and the other neighbor was from like North Dakota or something like that. 
nobody on that campus is from Los Angeles County. I shouldn't say anybody. But that is the most diverse campus that I've ever been on. You know, it's 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 they're from everywhere and people are fighting to get in that university. It's so many opportunities that you that you come across. The people you know, there's people that there's people that I've met that I still talk to to this day that didn't even play football. You know? It's the best university in the world. You you're not gonna get any up it that was the best opportunity I ever had in my life and I would never regret it. You know? Um and any kid who's getting recruited my USC should strongly look at that. It's it's more than football, and you know, and I think that's what the, the change of the culture is. They all think about football, but they're all not gonna make it. And so, I like I said, it, it was it was a great opportunity, you know. And I just I didn't take care of business on my end. I was partying. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I partied a lot. <laughs> I partied I a lot. <laughs> and, and you know we were the pro team at that time I was able to get in anywhere any place any club under 21 I was able to get in for free because I played at USC yeah um, now, I was I was from I was from South Central and so I knew a bunch of people and you know it, it, I just didn't take care of business but I don't regret what any decision I made you always remember Max Brown when his uh, situation happened where he ended up, you know, transferring. And he was saying that, I think he said when he first got to USC, Pat Hayden told him, you know, take advantage of these contacts that you're going to make at this university, you know, because there's really no other university in the world where you can make the kind of contacts that you can make uh, at USC. So, you know, I, I guess you, you're saying, I mean, you say you still talk to people, so I guess you're, you're saying that you, you did take advantage of that aspect and there's still people that you can you know call and talk to and stuff like that if you you know 100% you know like I'll give you a perfect example well and we were like we were talking before before all this whole thing went on like you know I coach college football you know, right this past season I was in between jobs like you know hey we didn't do what we got to do our head coach got fired and I'm like what am I going to do my phone wasn't ringing so I started calling people I went to school with and within as soon as I hit them up, we had an opportunity to. I had opportunities for jobs. So we have. I have a Google Drive sheet where everybody who played at USC, athlete wise, we have our contacts on there. And if you need work, you hit them up. And they'll take care of you. you know, the, the old saying is, you could be any mascot for four years, but you're a Trojan for life. Yeah, man, <laughs> bro, you're, you're so and lucky. So, and you, and you. I mean, you know. You, you, you realize it, you know. That, I mean, but you, you know, you put yourself in that position, you know, to be able to go to USC, and now you're able to reap the, uh, you know, the rewards of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, just, I mean, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. Uh, you know, I know you said you're coaching at at, at, at Whittier right now. Um, you're at, I think, before that you were in Texas, and before that you were at New Mexico State. And now you're at no, no, no. I wasn't at New Mexico State. I was at New Mexico Highlands. New Mexico Highlands, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. My dad was supposed to go to New Mexico State. That's why I said that. But yeah. yeah. Um, so what? But long term, like that's. I mean, is this what you plan on doing for the? You know, is it? To, is it to move? I mean, just, just to have a coaching career, basically. Uh, I mean, I mean, so, so, so I, the opportunity I have is because of football. Right. 
the opportunity I the opportunity I have is because I got I graduated college and I got a college degree. I'm a I'm a kid I'm a kid from I'm a kid from I'm a kid from South Central Los Angeles who pretty much had nearly had two pennies to rub together growing up. You know, and, and my parents made it work. I was able to go to Catholic school. I never denied the fact that I went to Catholic school. They made that work too. But the opportunities that I have in, in my whole life of playing football from the age of 18, I've been to Nebraska. I've been to Arkansas. I played in the Rose Bowl twice. I've been in, I've been in South Dakota. I've been to Wyoming. Um, you know, I've seen Mount Rushmore. Mm. I've been places that I've never been before. And to me, it would be selfish if I don't influence other kids who can, who who come from where I came from, and I don't give them a chance. A lot of people say coaching is for the money. This and that is not for the money. Co- you coach to impact kids' lives. You know, the ultimate goal is to 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 be a defensive coordinator for USC. Okay. If that happens, great. You know, but if it doesn't, as long as I keep impacting kids' lives. Since I've been coaching college football, I've graduated twelve kids. 12 kids who come from the same situation I came from, now they made their family better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got one kid that I, co- that I coached in Texas that made a complete turnaround ever since I got my hands on him. Wasn't going to graduate. Has to take two classes in the summer. Now he's a graduate. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I do this not for the fame, not for the glory. I do this because I got a chance to, I got a chance to help kids. And I said to help kids who come from nothing. To make their life better, you know, when a kid gets a degree, who comes from a family that never got a degree, you know, now his his kids sees that he has a degree. Now they need to do better. They go get a master's. Now his grandkids goes and get a PhD. Just like that, he made his family better just off of one piece of paper, and, I, and that's why I do this. Perfect, Alfred. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me, man, and. Uh, Man, anytime, anytime you need to come on there, I'll, I'll get on there and talk sports with you, do all that stuff with you. You know, um, whatever you need me, just let me know. Anytime, I appreciate it. That's definitely the best interview I've ever done from a very knowledgeable football man who's had a, a, a career that you know most people grow up playing football, dream that they could play for you know go to Long Beach Poly and play at USC under Pete Carroll. So this guy knows what he's talking about, and I hope you guys enjoyed these stories. Alfred, thanks again. And, uh, you know, I'll talk to you guys, uh, as I say, as I, as I always say, I'll talk to you next time if there is next time. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Definitely. Third thing, man, stay home. Stay home. We're going to get through this thing, but y'all got to stay home. That's right, Alfred. Uh, Alfred stay says home, it all, all the time on his Instagram, you know. Please, just stay home. <laughs> stay home. I, I always tell people, each day you go kick it with your homies is another week in quarantine. Just stay home and we'll get through this. I know it sucks, but stay home, you guys. Stay home. We'll get out of this. Yeah, that may be the best thing he said the whole the whole interview. So, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, take care. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.